Welcome back to the Maximum Cricket Podcast. You're here with Munter. You're here with Jacko. You're sort of here with Luxie, and this is episode number 18. Um, the reason being, Luxie has a bit of a, well, I'm just going to I'm just gonna say, he's got some technical difficulties. Um, just really struggles with emails in general, uh, just passwords in general. So he's um, he's locked out of his com- computer and emails and all sorts today. So he um, he's kindly sent us a few of his um, drunken takes. Over from last night, which would be quite exciting to for the listeners and us to to react to. But today we're talking about the Caps' little brother complex against the Aussies. We've got England up against Africa. The Asia Cup is over, and Coley is back. Out or not out? We're talking about Finch and and who's going to be the next white ball captain. And lastly, we discuss: Would you rather spin the ball a lot or be able to change your pace at on demand? But first, that's right. It is snack of the week. So sit back, grab yourself a bite or a drink, and enjoy us idiots talking some shit for an hour. It's a yes bang maximum. The first of this contest. Oh, that is brilliant. It's a hero maximum. On the ground, on the ground. Another hero maximum. So, boys, snack of the week this week. Lugsy has come flying back in charge. He's uh, he had a tough start to the snack of the week. He did cut my he did cut my legs a little bit with the Doritos um, when we doubled up on Doritos. Obviously, the public wanted to see dip, which is fine. No sort of ill feeling at all. Um, but I think this is probably a good time to hand over to Lugsy as he is uh, the current champion and he can take over for another week. Great to be the back-to-back champ of Snack of the Week. I, was, um, I wasn't 100% confident with the Doritos and the, uh, and the dip. But I tell you what, Kiwis, they do love a chip and dip, don't they? And maybe the English do too, since that's the majority of our listeners. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I've learned from that and gone with chip and dip again. In fact, for my Snack of this week, uh, Snack of this week, I've gone a, a touch rogue and I've gone a 24-pack of uh, Space Summers Ultras. So... I mean, if you've got any bottle, you'll vote for that, wouldn't you? You can probably throw a reply to that, and then I'll uh, I'll follow you because that is something. Yeah, my initial thoughts are: if he does three peat with this, this will be more contentious than the Lakers ring in the bubble. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've got a two-course meal, a box of piss, and chips and dip. I mean, I mean, come on, this is just, I don't think we need to have this conversation again, but do we need to nah. re- redefine what a snack is and what isn't? I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to have our, I don't want, I mean, we'll put it to the vote, but I don't want to have our first disqualification <laughs> snack of the week. I don't, this could be a double veto DQ for Crummy. We might need a ref. We, we might need a third party. Uh, but to save some face, my, my snack of the week is actually the Nestle bag of scorched almond bites so they haven't really changed the scorched almond at all but they've just sort of put it in a in a smaller packet so you don't sort of get a whole block really just a fantastic addition to the confectionery aisle in my opinion and uh yeah should be enough to get me my first one i tell you what that's um that's pretty good stuff i can't say i've heard about that snack but it does i mean obviously everyone's heard about scorched almonds and yeah. it sounds it sounds pretty fantastic and I, you've got a bit of a trend there jacko just from the last couple of weeks where you you're really taking the snack of the week seriously where you're going you're not getting your um obvious sort of snacks you're really going out and about what's new yeah trying to get that niche market yeah and you may it may not pay back with, with votes but you know i appreciate it yeah might might not see the results but hopefully it will come through yeah so i like that so my my snack uh, this week, I've been on a bit of a journey where I had uh, I had a player from cricket training 
come up to me with a couple of su- with a suggestion, which I yeah. um which I did appreciate. You know, listeners coming back. So if you do, and that, that reaches out to anyone. You know, if you do have a snack of the week that you want the boys to to get them get amongst, um, do reach out. I will save that one for another another week, as I was pretty much had the organisation of Lugsy trying to get those. Uh, those snacks. So I've gone with a, a different avenue. So I had, well, I had it last night, but we uh, had our problems. But I had uh, two Belgian biscuits with a single Spates Ultra, not a not a twenty four pack, just a single one, just a wee nightcap. You and Chrome crossing swords again. <laughs> yeah, a couple of Belgian biscuits, not a bad, not a bad sort of option. Solid option. Yeah, not sure if it'll be enough to take the victory, but um, I'm happy enough with the option. Well, we've been delaying it as long as we can, and it's to talk about the uh, the Chapel Hadley series, which is, um, I mean, this could go in several different ways, obviously, and I guess this is the part of the podcast that it's really just becoming a bit of therapy for us Caps fans. As a, It was a series that promised so much and really delivered uh, not a lot, to be honest, and um, it seems to be a trend when we visit Australia with a lot of promise and we come back a really sort of tail between the legs sort of stuff. Before we get into the sort of the trends, I guess, do we want to get Lugsy on the blower and get him going and then we'll, we'll react from there? Got a few takes here from Lugsy. What's been titled uh, NZ Review. So apart from being big brothers, what about a bit of analysis? How did we get to this point? Obviously, our bowling, you can't fault. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are questioning our captaincy. And that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think, obviously, the biggest thing people will, will sort of point out is why did we not step on the throat? Why did we not, when we had them in these situations where we could have drowned them, we decided not to put their head underwater. We decided to let them bat a bit. It's a very... It's a bit more complicated to me than people make it think. Everyone just goes, Oh, my God, Lucky Ferguson should have bowled. He would have just cleaned them out. Oh, okay. Let's just bowl ten straight Lockie Ferguson every week. Well, I mean, we don't just—you don't just roll teams. That doesn't just happen unless it's us. So, and it's not like you pick these bowlers like you, Mitch Sanders, um, etc. How does naming one guy and then using etc. Um, <laughs> but you, you've got to have faith in every bowler in your team can get batsmen out, especially nine and ten, especially nine and ten. So. I think to me the the people well and it's it's a don't get me wrong it's a fair point of let's go for the kill I think foot on the throat going for the kill and just bowling your fastest bowler like a section five of a fucking red king are two separate things so it's a bit easy just to say bowl your fastest bowlers because I mean as I've pointed out that's just that's just too basic. I mean, you don't just bowl your fastest bowlers and roll every team for 35 every week. But it is field placing. It's aggression. It's, you know, it's everything. It's the little things. I know it's stupid to say, but it's the little things that go into that when you've got a team six, seven down and you've got to step on the throat in a way like that of we're coming at you. We're not going to give you six and over, five and over, working ones and twos so you get comfortable. We don't have to bowl our fastest bowler. We can bowl any bowler. But our field placings are going to be aggressive. If you're going to take on Mitch Santner, you've got to take him on over the top. I think that's what's lacked a bit. That's just my thoughts. Maybe you think differently. Welcome to all uh, all comments. 
But I think we've missed a trope with our aggressiveness in the field, and that's that's really cost us. It really has cost us, which leads us on to Kane Williamson as captain, because his batting's also under the under the microscope. Microscope scope. I can't sleep. Um, and which it's fair. I mean, I think anyone can can be up for criticism, and I think. I'm going to probably defend Kane, but also absolutely understand where people are coming from with the criticism. Because I think the way Kane bats when he when he fails puts us in real problems. Because I think what happens with Kane is he backs himself to bat fifty overs, so he sums up where am I going? To, where do we have to be if I'm going to bat fifty? And unfortunately, the reality is at the moment he's not there at the fiftieth. So he bats sort of from the you know the eighth over to the twenty sixth slowly, thinking I know what I can do. I'll I'll get us through and I'll ramp it up at the fiftieth. And the problem with that is if you don't make the fiftieth, you just put us in this position where we haven't scored enough, or now it's on other players who maybe aren't as experienced or as good as you to up the run rate, and they can't. So does Kane lose captaincy? God. I don't know. I don't think so because I personally don't know if there's anyone better at the moment. There's a, there's a lot to unpack from Lugsy there. He's really it, – it, it felt like he was talking to a therapist, um, <laughs> not not us. It just felt like he was just letting it all out there, which I – Yeah, really some venting was going on. Yeah, which um, which happens when you have a, have a 24-pack of summits, I suppose. But um, yeah. I guess I guess I'll, I'll touch we'll touch on the – the, the the little brother complex first because or the foot on the throat that or the lack of because this just I don't feel like this happens as much this doesn't happen if we're playing India ironically who's a bigger team like if we look at the, the game one you know we are 170 off of three things are just going perfectly um, we only get 60 in the last 10 we sort of put off the throat Australia in reply 44 for five we somehow lose that game. By eight wickets. Game two, Australia, 54 for five, 117 for eight. They end up making 195. I mean, the at least with the batting, there wasn't really any sort of false hope. We just got rolled for 82. And then this the last the last ODI just felt like I don't know, it felt like we were always gonna lose. We were never gonna mm. we were never gonna win that game under any circumstances. So I just what what is it about this caps team that can't land the killer blow? Is it just is it just against Australia? Because I feel like if that's India, we probably win that series. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. I think white ball cricket especially is really hard to, I suppose, call for the killer blow. Um, I know they use two two white balls, but as soon as the ball stops swinging, especially in white ball cricket, you're sort of pretty cooked as a fast bowler um, in that sense of you probably lost your, your sort of strike ability. So... I mean, while we had them 44 for five, probably after that, it got easy to bat, which is why, like, we didn't have that foot on the throat. Like, it's easy to say we should have, but it's also when it gets the easiest to bat and it's hard to actually, I guess, skill a team um, when they're not trying to attack and there's four out and you don't have as many catches around and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, I think the second game was the worst for me. That was the yeah. hardest one to take because I think, the first game, it's like, right, first game jitters against Australia. In Australia, always going to be tough. Uh, they got a partnership. But then we just didn't learn in the second game. And, I mean, getting skittled for 85 was just, just yeah, as you said, a real dagger. But sort of we discussed it yesterday, really interesting how 
how you get to 190 really matters, doesn't it? Like, I mean, if we'd had them 180 for six and skittled them for 190, we're probably winning that game. But the fact they were 110 for eight and their tail wagged and, I mean, every quick will tell you they bowl their best after scoring runs. So, I mean, it just went on to show Stark was electric. So, yeah, game two was the toughest to take. And then, I mean, game three, tried a few things, brought some different guys in who who, who some, some went well. So, yeah, nothing for the future. But, yeah, I suppose that not learning with the bat in game two, and this series should have been all on in game three, and it was the, the failings with the bat, no matter what you want to say about the ball and not going for the throat and yada, yada, yada. The fact that we didn't chase 190 and 50 overs and got skittled for 80, it's, yeah, I think it's it's got to be on the bat as well we lost that series. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. That second game was probably the worst. And it's just sort of like you get the feeling whenever, whenever this Caps team, whenever it gets tight, like the game gets tight, we kind of retreat. We kind of go on the defensive a little bit, and I don't know if that's just Kane at the moment, or or Kane and Gary Stead. I don't know what the answer is, but it, but just this just would not have happened with McCullum in charge. Like this just wouldn't. And I sort of I'll, I'll push back a little bit on Lugsy's take on Williamson's batting because I I do think that's a bit of an issue now. I, like it's ironic that sort of Steve Smith he seems to be in good form. Coley's back and. Now it's sort of Kane by himself that has yet to come out of his funk, and he didn't used to score that slowly. I don't know what it is. Whether no. he's just he's just out of form, um, he's just nervous. He's trying to put too much on his wicket. Or he doesn't want to get out, or he um, or teams have just figured him out. I don't know what it is, but it kind of bothered me in the third ODI. If you look, if you look at the the chase in, in three parts. You've got Finn Allen and Conway started unbelievably well. They look like, I mean, Finn Allen wants like a million bucks. We'll, we'll talk about him for a bit. Conway, <laughs> Conway looked like a different player than the second ODI. And then at the end, you've got Phillips, you've got Nisham, you've got Santner, all looking like um, a million dollars. I know the game was sort of gone and they were being quite free, uh, free and they almost won us the game in the end. But just they kind of showed that you can play quite freely in the second innings. It's supposed to be easier to bat in the second innings under lights, like the ball sort of comes on a bit more. And in the middle, you've got Williamson and you've got Latham, kind of the older guys. Yeah, Williamson's probably the worst here. So 27 off 56 balls. And then a random sort of run out where I don't know what's going on with his mind. Only one boundary in that 27, but he just, the momentum kind of stalled while he was there, which never really happens. Yeah, I suppose that's been Kane's sort of strength has been that like he does strike at probably 70 in one-day cricket and bats for a while and guys can bat around him. Um, I think I don't, I don't think we can't underestimate what the sort of elbow injuries, the effect that's had on his mm. batting because I really do believe he's a guy that probably is hitting whatever you think amount of balls he was hitting pre-injury, you probably need to double it. Like he was bat, he bats mm. so much. And have that time out of his game, and that's sort of what he built his game on was hitting a lot of balls, I believe. Mm. Um, so to have to lose that for a stretch, I think it's just going to take some time to get that back for him. So what? This is only his second series, third series back since the elbow. So yeah, I think I don't think it's panic stations yet. I think he's a he is yeah world class. He's probably the best batter and skill 
nearly we've ever produced. So I think he'll figure it out, but I hope he does it really soon because, yeah, as you said, just not quite enough rotation there, which let that inning stall. And I mean, if you've got, got four out, and if they don't have four out, you've got to take a risk and you've got to make sure you've got your four out and you're using them to rotate. So it's a frustrating series to lose because it always feels like we're building for that Aussie series and then we get there, we don't play well and then it's tear it down. We've got to build up for that next Aussie series. It doesn't even feel like we build for World Cups. It feels like we build for series against Aussie and Aussie. We're like the English. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. So... Yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully this is, we use a series as a building block and go, right, there's some good stuff there because our bowlers can bowl well, they can take good wickets. Finn Allen's batting well. This is a, I mean, another reiteration of this take from the pod, obviously a big Finn Allen podcast. But, (laughs) like, there's enough there that it probably just can still click and I still think this can be a really, really good Black Caps team. Yeah, just some tweaks away, I'm hoping. Not tear it down yet. Probably right. I think there's a couple of tweaks that need to be made. Um, or like I really love like the addition of Finn Allen and Glenn Phillips. They just they just felt like a breath of fresh air. They just felt like they had no demons. And if we look forward, wins this World Cup. It's it's about what's well, a it's a year away anyway. What changes do you think we'll see between now and then? I don't know. Maybe it is a is this Conway Finn is that the the dead set opening pair. Um, I think we've just got to figure out probably four, five, and six in that order. Because I think Kane bet three until he retires, which, I mean, we can't really drop him probably. So, yeah, sort of, I reckon it's that four, five, six in the batting order we just need to figure out. I think Nisham, we lock Nisham in at seven as our sort of finisher because he's our best option there. Mm. Uh, Santner bet's eight, but yeah. And I think we've basically got to figure out four, five, six with Tom, Daryl, Glenn Phillips, Bracewell, and I still think Henry Nichols really needs to be in the conversation in that New Zealand middle order. In terms of batters and skill sets of batters, he is up there with like our world-class batters, in my opinion. Might might be a sort of Canterbury-Homer take, um, but I mean, he's been as high as like five in the world in the test rankings, so he's a genuine stick. So I'd love to see him back in there, just to provide a bit of safety in that middle order. But yeah, I think that that four five six is going to be key to this this World Cup cycle, and, and solving that puzzle is probably the biggest thing for this side. The other one's going to be Gupdor, isn't it? Just can he hold on to the twenty twenty three World Cup, or is he going to is he going to get a guard of honour like like a, like Finch, <laughs> like Finchy, um, which we'll, which we'll talk about it in due course. Um, yeah, I don't have the answer for that, and I guess I guess the other the only other other elephant in the room is is the the leadership. Now, it does feel like Kane is copping a lot of heat and some of it is fair like there's some odd decisions and along the way however i think i think the person on the hot seat should be um the coach i think it should be gary stead haven't haven't thought about that because i it's almost as if kane has potentially too much say where he sort of just brings in and, and plays the people he's he feels most comfortable whereas i i, I honestly i think he would benefit from a coach that potentially challenges them a bit more and has a different mindset, maybe a more abrasive attacking mindset. So you don't have two, two sort of level-headed guys. You've got kind of like kind of like how he, when we used to have McCullum and Hesson, it was sort of like McCullum was the abrasive one, Hesson was sort of the steady one, 
and they sort of worked each other's kinks. And I think I think the two steadies have kind <laughs> of have kind of sort of the ship is too steady. We're just a little bit safe, and I wouldn't mind sort of rocking that boat a little bit. I don't know who that right person is. Maybe like mm. a Fleming. Maybe that 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 if we're going local, that coach from Wellington's pretty. He seems to be doing wonders for Wellington. Um, apart from that, I'm not too sure, but there, there's something that does need to change. Yeah, I don't, I don't think changing the captain's the answer. We're what a year removed from a Test Championship. I mean, we're still a very good. We're still second in the world in one day cricket, so we're still a really, really good one day side. I think. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe they need to bring some something to freshen up the batting skill set. Or yeah, I don't. I don't know what the answer is to be honest. But I think that batting display is is the toughest to to take. So it's yeah. I mean, it's one day cricket's a tough one because you you do sort of walk that tightrope in the middle of we don't we need to keep wickets in hand. We don't want to be too aggressive and lose wickets, but we also want to keep the run rate ticking over. And yeah, we just didn't get it right. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of series leading into that World Cup. But yeah, I'm of the boat of we've, this has been a very successful combination so far. So yeah, I'm going to need to see a, probably a lot worse until I I can say we need to need a big change. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we'll should we should we talk about Australia a bit because they obviously were they were the better team. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that they are that much better than New Zealand, but they did they did do their job obviously far better than we did. So the big, I guess the biggest story around Australia is the the retirement of Aaron Finch. You know he's had a yeah. pre, he's had a pretty decent career. I think that's fair. I think it's seventeen ODI hundreds, and Lockie obviously was looking pretty all at sea towards the end of that career. However, it begs the question: he, he did receive a guard of honour. So this sort of Leads up to our out or not out impromptu out or not out if you if you may where where do we draw the line with guard, guard, guard of honours like how what are the boxes you need to tick to, to get that done and I guess the question is should should Aaron Finch does he deserve a guard of honour and we've got I believe we've got uh, Lugsy Lugsy yep. first is going to sort of kick kickstart us and then we'll we'll react. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Sorry if I touched on um, when I was talking Finchy. If I managed to touch on the, the guard of honour, it's an interesting one because on one hand, it'd be great if everyone uh, got a guard of honour when they were playing their last game. But on the other hand, does that mean the guard of honour means nothing? when someone serious gets one. I would honestly say Finch is right on the spectrum. Like, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure he gets one. And maybe it's because he's so horribly out of neck that it feels wrong to give a guy batting that poorly a guard of honour, like a bit <laughs> embarrassing um, for him. But I genuinely, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I just don't know if guard of honour for Finch is acceptable. Mm-mm-mm. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. He's got a, a pretty fine record. I just don't know if do I sound age old and and say does anyone deserve on a one day cricket? That maybe that's a bit ludicrous from me. That might be a bit too far, but I really struggle. I probably struggle a bit with Finch getting one. I'm sorry, Australian listeners. Plead your case why you should get one. Um, I do think it's a, a mainly Test cricket thing which probably sounds ludicrous to a lot of the younger listeners. But sorry, that's... I'll tell you where the line is. The line's probably Finchy. <laughs> I think he just slides just under it. Just under it. So if you're above Finch, guard of honor. If you are Finch, 
no guard of honour. And I'll leave it there because Mitchell's just gone out trying to hook Hazelwood and I'm just really, really struggling with this Blackcaps side. Thanks. That's tough, eh? That's tough. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a broken man there, a bit of uh, a bit there. But he's got a he's got a good point. He hits the nail on the head. It, so he's definitely out on it by the sounds of it, which is fair. And I yeah. probably, I think, in terms of one day cricket, I think he probably is on the line. I don't know if you can get any lower than Finch getting guard of honours. I think definitely. I think you are you, you are going to water down a guard of honour if you start giving it to everyone. And also the other the other one is he's only retired from one day cricket. Does does Pinch get another one when he retires from T Twenty cricket? And he's not a successful three format player. That's where I'm going to say my line is is you've got to be a six like you've got to be a three format player or like genuinely like twenty plus hundreds in a format. So Finchy just yeah under that line. Like if he had 10 test hundreds, maybe six, seven years in the test side and he was calling everything quits, then it's like, okay, fair enough, guard of honour. But this really feels like a jump before he was pushed sort of retirement too. And it feels like he's going to do a jump before he pushes retirement at the end of this 2020 World Cup. So, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because if he hadn't called this retirement and was going to get dropped before the next series and retired then... There'd be no guard of honour because he wouldn't be playing. So yeah. it's an interesting, it's another interesting one. But I don't, yeah, he's probably got just good enough of a record. But as Crom said, it's it's probably how he's. What have you done for me lately? And you've been <laughs> poor. So just be a nice guy. Everyone knows he's retiring because he's probably about to get dropped. Oh, Morgan never got one. Do you not? Not everyone gets one. No, because he no. he he didn't even wait. He didn't say, "Oh, this is my last game." He just said, oh, "I'm retiring." And, just on um, curtains. Yeah, like Ben Ben Stokes retired from one day cricket. Didn't get a guard of honor. Yeah, just sort of. So it's one of those things. It's it's sort of like. I feel like it's going to be your last game ever. Yeah. F- as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you well, can't have any more international cricket to go. Yeah. Although Ross Taylor got a guard of honor and. Test his last test, but obviously he played. Yeah, but he's our greatest ever batter. So yeah, that's the thing. I think te- I, I, yeah. I I think I think it's Test cricket. Test cricket, you can be a bit more leeway because it's like a, yeah. a service to the game sort of thing. If you played enough, if you're games. A Test great, you get one on your last Test match. Whereas if it's like a white ball great, like you've got to be, you've got to really change the game. I'd say Finch probably, if he wasn't captain, he probably wouldn't wouldn't be getting it. Well, he wouldn't be playing the last game, I don't think. If wow, he was a that's 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 another question. Yeah. But I think Owen Morgan's probably the only one that probably deserves one for one day cricket. He didn't get one, so there you go. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, we're probably we're, so we're all out on it, which is fine. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be your last Red Bull game. Yes, your last White Bull game. If you've got bulk stats, but if you still like Finchie's still playing White Bull cricket for Australia, he's not done playing for Australia. So he can't have got one just yet. No, nah, no, nah, that's right. That's right. And also, just side note, I believe he's also retired from test cricket, but he didn't announce it. <laughs> did, he not, did he not get a guard of honour after getting skittled like eight times in a row? <laughs> yeah, Boomerang gave him one. <laughs> Imagine that for a send-off just quietly. Just a team giving you a guard of honour after getting fuck all four times in a row in a series. <laughs> That is, keep that in the back pocket. That's actually something. Imagine that. Imagine that. I like that. Um, So, should we talk about who potentially might be the next captain? I think that's going to be quite the story over the the Australian summer. 
and will enjoy it as well over the ditch also. Um, so I think there's obviously a few candidates. I think should we hear from um, should we hear from Simon first? I think he's got a take, and then we'll go from yep. there. Another long form essay from Crom. Obviously, Finchie's retirement leads us to who should be skipping. Um, which I think I think you've got to go back to Smith or Warner, don't you? I mean, I guess Pat Cummings could do it and lead um, lead the ODI side and the World Cup side. Maybe that's the obvious move and probably what, what they might do. But, I mean, a lot of people say he's their third best seamer in, in white ball cricket, which is a big call and makes for a damn strong side, um, damn strong bowling attack. Um, and I tell you what, Sean Abbott's putting his hand up as one of the world-class bowlers as well, so maybe Pat Cummins is four, but that's besides the point. Um, it's just, this is one of those things, and I don't, yeah, man, let's not go down the Me Too side of things, but when someone does something wrong, you don't deal in the moment of giving them a, a ban that's lasting forever. Obviously, the, the public was out for absolute blood with Smith & Warner, and it was, you know, fair to say it was a disgraceful lack, which, you know, put the game into disrepute and made it pretty embarrassing. But you shouldn't decide years on years of fate in that moment. You've got to give it time. I mean, I think hopefully we're learning from that. And maybe in the future you'd say, right, we're going to step them down for now and we'll review this later. Because basically what happens is people call out. Life moves on. No one gives, okay, uh, some people still care, the ACC. Um, but for the most part, people move on from these errors that people make. They're not, you know, they're not public enemy number one. We realise Smith and Warner are great cricketers. So I think they should go back there. It would, And this is the thing, this is exactly what got them into the mess at the start is they'll probably think everyone's going to come out for blood if they make them captain. It would last a week. People would move on. So it should be Smith. It probably should be Smith or Warner, um, if they're up for it, of course. And if that fails, they might go to um, Paddy Cummings. I mean, I know there's been talk of guys like Marnus, but, I mean, the guy loves Gert, but he's sort of, he's a bit odd, isn't he? I think he's, I think he's that sort of character, maybe like a Mark Richardson character, where he was our best opening bat, and we respect him as a bat, but... We're not going to respect him as our... He's not going to be our skipper. We're not going to put old Rigger as our, as our skip, as good as he is. Um, so we're not going Marnus. I mean, you do that weight on stuff a bit much and, yeah, that's you gone from skip. Um, so, yeah, Cummings, and I genuinely hope they go Smith or Warner. Serve the time. They did the crime. Move on. I love that from Lugsy. He summed it up, and I um, summed it up pretty pretty well actually. And I'll, I'll touch on the the the, the Marnus one was, uh, was was sensational. He just you can't have your captain like over appealing from deep square leg sort of thing. No, like that's, that's not at all. It's just a it's just a lack of uh, I don't know what it is, but he's just sort of he's the guy that you sort of laugh at a little bit too much. Like I don't know if your yeah. captain can be that sort of guy. Like probably a nice guy, you know, if you. Friend of the show, I'm sure, but yeah. um, I just can't see it. An AWL, an award-winning listener. Yeah, yeah, I can't see it. I think the big thing, look, the big thing for me is Finch is obviously still the T20 captain, but there's no yeah. chance he's he's captain past the T20 World Cup. So no. realistically, unless unless they are thinking we're going to have three different captains, whoever the ODI captain is probably going to be the T20 captain. Yeah. 
hundred percent. So for that, I think for me, I would like Smith would be the best one day captain for in my opinion. Like I'm not, I'm still not massively. Well, he's, I mean, he's an incredible bat, and he was probably, he, I think he averaged fifty in that series, and that hundred was was actually quite special because it was. It was quite. It wasn't easy batting out there against Bolt Southy, the ball doing all sorts, and he just summed no, it up. He summed it up perfect. I love. I love him as a batsman, but as a captain, he just just a fraction whiny for me. I don't know what it is. Even even with the, um, you know, when he did that, he hit that six off. Oh, was it Ferguson? And then he sort of signaled to the the umpires that uh, they New Zealand had five outside the ring or whatever it was. Yeah. So he got so he got that no, but it was just the way he went about it. Just sort of irked me a little bit. Just a wee bit whiny, yeah. Just a little over the top. Like it doesn't have to be like that. And I just looks like his kit smells too. I don't know if you've ever picked up <laughs> on that, but yeah. So I mean, I and the thing about Warner is, I I mean, I used to not like Warner, and he, and he's a little bit irky as well. But he he's definitely done his time. I mean. Yep. Lifetime bans for ball tampering is outrageous. Like you don't, you don't even get a lifetime uh, sentence for like murder. And we're talking, no, you get twenty five years. Yeah, like I mean, like whether you should or not is another story. But you know, <laughs> like it just, it's just crazy to think because things change. Like yep. Warner's been pretty exempt. Like he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's done nothing no. wrong, and he's still, he's still the best white ball player probably. Um, yep. He's probably, and I think. As Crom sort of said, if you go away from either of Finch or Warner, if you pick a batter, you're actually really, um, I don't know if there's any sort of guaranteed picks outside of those two. And you're nah. top for, for both T20 and one day cricket. So, yeah, I think that's what's got to be either of them. Because, I mean, I saw somewhere saying Alex Carey, maybe a shout. I've seen that. He's not even in the T20 side. No, nah, exactly. Again, you're picking you're picking the nicest bloke, not the best skip. Um, I agree with the Warner take. I think he's been a T20 captain around the world. So unless you want three captains, you're probably, as you said, you're having a white ball captain and a red ball captain. It seems like Cummins is getting a lot of white ball series off for a bit of rest recently. So, I mean, unless you're going to have two white ball captains... One's Cummins and one's whoever does it when he's away. Yeah, I think I think you've got to go Warner or Smith, and I, and I would lean Warner as well. Um, sounds like the regime that handed down those bands has sort of moved on from Australian cricket. So yeah. they need to break bread and they need to remove that because, again, Warner was a scapegoat there. The bowlers that said they didn't know, they knew. <laughs> it's funny, Mitchell Starr hasn't reverse swung a ball since. And no. he's, he he just can't believe it. He thought he thought it was all he thought it was all himself. Trust me, the bowlers. <laughs> we can go deep into that if we want one day. Yeah, that'd be um, that'd be an off season sort of poll. We can yeah. really dig deep. I like that because yeah. I think so. The so the bowlers knew, the captain knew, everyone in that dressing room knew. But Warner got the year ban. So yeah, overturn that Warner to be captain. Yeah, I like that. Well, I'll third that that um, Warner to be captain because I think I don't think Smith is a definite for the T20 side, whereas Warner is. And Cummins, I think yeah. I think you're right. He, he seems to be taking a lot of white ball games off. Potentially, I think he's going out of his way not to miss red ball games because obviously he's captain. So I think in his mind, if he rests, when he rests, if it's white ball games only, it allows him to be available for tests. So I don't think he is really going to be an option as a white ball skipper. Yep. So we'll, we'll settle on Warner. I like that. 
Anything else you want to touch on from Australia? They obviously, obviously, Cam Green is the next Callis. Yeah, Cam, Cam Green is very good. Sean Abbott could be the next Cam Green, um, but he can't bat. So tough, tough to be an all rounder when you can't bat. <laughs> yeah, he can hold it, but he, I mean, <laughs> he can hold it, but just not as well. We've got England, South Africa. We'll start with the third test. It's um, pretty much pretty much over as of now. It was a three-day test because obviously the first day was washed out. The second day was abandoned because of the uh, the Queen's passing. So the question was sort of asked, could, could they get a result in three days? And the batters from both sides decided... We'll give it to you. In t- we'll give it to you in two and twenty minutes. <laughs> two and change. Two and change. Unbelievable. So, for sum it up, so South Africa rolled for one hundred and eighteen. England rolled for one hundred and fifty-eight. South Africa rolled for one hundred and sixty-nine. And then you got England now ninety-seven for none. And I suppose when you read that, when you listen to this, comes out England probably would have won by one or two wickets. Uh, sorry, by eight or nine wickets or whatever it is. So I'm going to assume that England's won this. Otherwise, yeah. we'll bin this part real quick. I mean, it'll be one of the it'll be one of the greatest comebacks of all time ever. Just quickly, Zach Crawley. It's not um, when you score them; it's how you score them. Obviously, now he's got 57 red. He'll be opening forever. Yeah, 50. He got 50 off about 36 rocks. So yeah. I'm a uh, big fan. That'll uh, McCullum will be very impressed with that. Yeah, and it's sort of the last test of the summer. So it's just sort of like you're only as good as your last knock, sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So they'll forget all that other stuff. So, I mean, Dean Algers talked a big game this whole series, and then he forgot that their batters are absolutely woeful. <laughs> I mean, they were 36 for six in that first innings. Yeah, I mean, England and England, pretty handy. Holly Robinson, wrist. I don't know how he keeps taking test wickets, but he has an unbelievable record, doesn't he? It's like 19, isn't it? He's got like um, oh. Jameson sort of stats. Yeah, massive. And like his like World Cup, his test cycle was like 40 wickets at 19. So it's just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, not a lot to unpack. Baseball, how you going? Cop that, Dean Elgar. Yeah, I think it's probably, my biggest takeaways from that series is that England are pretty good at home. And Saf yeah. probably not as good as what we thought. Like they, their bowling's pretty good, but their batting is so bad that it probably doesn't matter. Uh, South Africa's bowlers very good, and they probably a couple of batters short. Is really as you just said, they probably need a genuine three and a pretty good number four, I'd say, and they'd be away laughing. Yeah, full disclosure, I can't, I can't give you a lot on um, South Africa or England, um, apart from just how fun it all is. I mean, just. What a, another another absolute episode of of Test cricket at its best. Ten wickets was it, and a day of Gurk. I don't know. It's is it worrying for Test cricket? Maybe that's the conversation we should be talking about at the moment. Of course, in a in a in a vacuum, it's not that can happen at any stage. But where Test cricket's at at the moment, it sort of piles on to like, what are we doing here? Are we just is Test cricket now one day cricket and just you know, over a longer period of time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, fair play to Ollie Robertson, who's looked looked class and and gives the um, the English steamers a bit more of a future. I mean, it's, you couldn't say a bad word about Broad and Anderson, except they are aging. Um, maybe they'll play forever, but I think Ollie Robertson, he looks absolute class, isn't he? And um, to have that string in their bow as, as the future there, 
your attack very handy. He, he raises. He does get a lot. It gets quite deep uh, and sort of like the, the bigger picture. How lags he and especially analysing a three day test. Yeah, it's tough. I guess probably the only the only other takeaway I, I would have is if this test was in like India, the media would be out for blood, eh? Like if it was turning square, but it was actually seeming. If they were spinners taking those wickets, yeah. Why is why is this surface being performed? Yada yada yada. We'll touch on the Asia Cup, which um, we had, don't have a lot analysis for you, unfortunately, but it was on, and yeah. I know for a fact that we didn't watch a hell of a lot because there was zero coverage in New Zealand, unfortunately. The yeah. only sort of coverage I managed to find was some pretty dodgy YouTube videos, some interesting highlights packages. Really not not sort of TV quality for sure, but I've seen enough, and I guess are we talking cell cell phone at the ground sort of <laughs> thing. Or? No, it's just cut. It's just cut real funny. <laughs> like it's like yeah, cut poorly. So I guess like there's a few stories. Obviously, Sri Lankan winning the whole thing is quite the story. Uh, probably didn't pick it when they lost the first game to Afghanistan. I would say um, India missing out on the final, which I personally caught a lot of grief as I um I ran a poll on the TikToks saying um, who's going to win the final out of Pakistan and India. Um, so the answer was neither, which uh, I didn't put up. So I took a bit of, bit of heat for that. But um, So cheers, Sri Lanka. Um, and I would probably say the biggest story is uh, the biggest story here is Kohli and Baba Azam swapping form. Kohli is back, 122 off 61 rocks. I know we don't have a lot to say about the tournament, but just how good is it to see how, well, not how good is it to see a great fall down, but how good is it to see yeah. once they fall down, just get back up, you know? Yeah, so I hear the boys are talking about sort of how good it is. I guess it's the feel-good story, the comeback story of when, when one of the really greats fails for a while um, and he comes back. And this is this is a world round. This is a sporting sort of one of the greats. Um, Federer, I guess, has had his moments where he's gone down and came back. Jordan obviously had a season away, very different, but, you know, came back. We do love to see our heroes fall a touch, to see them rise. Honestly, it's probably more pro wrestling based than anything, um, to see our heroes fall and rise back up more than, and obviously when it happens in real sport, that's when we love it the most. I think the thing with Coley was, the fall was just a bit much. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have liked Coley. We, we obviously, I think, on this podcast love him. He sort of won his respect across most of the globe, but still obviously had his haters that wanted to see him fall. But I think even for the for the sort of the most hated of Coley, or the the guy that hates Coley the most, it it just it got a bit much that that out of that slump. I mean, it was near finish like dare I say. So to see him backs is obviously to see him scoring runs, to see him get a hundred again. I mean, how long were we waiting? We want to see it. Yeah, that's why you watch sport. You want to see the best players at their best. So a welcome return to form. Probably not on the biggest stage, unfortunately. Um, the Asia Cup sort of, for our side of the Tasman anyway, it's sadly not, it's not the biggest a deal. Um, it's more of a catch, a catch a highlight package sort of thing for, I think, a lot of us. Maybe you boys will have a bit more thoughts. But in general, on Coley being back in form, I mean, how could you not want it as a cricket fan? And uh, hopefully that leads to a lot more. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it wasn't like he wasn't scoring runs. Like, Crom's either Finch-like. I don't think it's that extreme because nah. he was scoring runs. But it's funny It's funny with cricket how 100, it's, it's just a thing, isn't it? Like, 
And obviously, he hadn't scored one, and it wasn't an issue because he was still scoring runs, but then suddenly someone's gone, oh, it's been X amount of days, and now it's an issue. Yeah, I mean, lovely to have. He, he is world class, and India are a force when he's batting well, and as, as you said, everyone wants to see... Coley batting well because I think it means world cricket's in a good place at the moment. Yeah, when all the big sort of five, six teams have a genuine superstar with the bat, cricket's in a good place. So, yeah, good to see him back. And Sri Lanka, who would have thought? What an upset. Yeah, too easy. Well done, Sri Lanka. So, um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I kind of, it's it's different sort of scenarios, but it, it, it's a little bit like, it reminds me a little bit about the the Tiger Woods rise and fall. Just just because, like, I think Coley set himself such a ridiculous standard. Like, he was he was getting hundreds at just this, ab, like, ab, abnormal rate. And sort of similar like Tiger Woods, he was winning all these, all these tournaments. And then when they go through... I guess a lean patch for them. It becomes a thing, and then just see that just to see them come back and look like the their old self, even if it's only four one innings. If you do get a chance to catch those highlights of that hundred, it is it's it's quite special. Like I know Afghanistan aren't a world beater, but Rashid Khan is the best spinner in the world, and he mm. he had him on toast. He had him at tens, and it's not. I mean, inside out over cover, down the ground. You, you know, like it was it was beautiful to watch. So just. It's just awesome to see him come back, even if it is only one time. Lovely for Sri Lanka to do it without any world-class bowlers too, um, mm. by the Bangladesh coaches' standards. So, yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, they copped, yeah. A, bit of, they copped a bit of grief there. Bangladesh, yeah. Bang, Bangladesh, just quietly poor, poor losers. Yeah, very poor losers. Very poor losers. I think, I think, without with the top of my head, I think they lost pretty convincingly to Zimbabwe, and they they basically were saying that. Um, they're not as good a team as we are, yet they lost pretty convincingly. So that's the sort of thing you, you want to say behind closed doors. You don't yeah. want to be saying that yep. in the media. So not after losing. So yeah, Sri Lanka, no world class bowlers, but won the Asia Cup. So there you go. Starting today, you will play like winners, act like winners, and most importantly, you will be winners. If you listen and learn, you will win basketball games. And gentlemen, winning in here. Is the key to winning out there. Should we do coach corner now? Yep, yep. So I got this one. It's about spin bowling, I guess. It doesn't say leg spin or off spin, so we'll just assume it's a bit of both. So the question is, for a spinner, do you think being a, being able to spin the ball or changes of speed and flight are more effective? So for me, I mean, neither matter if you're not accurate. Um, if you can't land them consistently, you're going to go the distance no matter what, or you're not going to build pressure. So I think even someone like Shane Warne, he could spin it sideways. He was incredibly accurate. I think that's one of the one of the skills that he had that a lot of people don't remember. They remember all the big mm. spinning deliveries. So yep. I guess flight and actual spin are sort of the same because to get flight, you'd need to put revs on the ball like drifting the ball so it's getting more overspin and then it's causing the ball to dip not just bowling it slower otherwise it's just a pie so change of pace change of pace versus spin well it kind of depends on the situation because like change of pace makes it harder to time the ball like a Vittori so it's kind of handy in limited overs probably not so handy in tests it's more about sort of frustrating a batter into playing a dumb shot whereas a big turner of the ball is just going to 
it has the ability to just take wickets in clumps, but you potentially you're not going to be that consistent, I would say. And I guess it's hard to say that one is more important than the other. It just depends on the time. I mean, we always want to do both, but nine times out of ten, you can either do one or the other. You're either a big turner or you're like a smart spinner and you yeah, flight it well and you change your pace well, isn't it? That's it. That's it. You don't really have a choice. So if you can't yep. turn it, then you better work on your change of pace. And I think that comes from you're either a big turner or you have to get good at the other side of it to be yeah. a successful spinner, don't you? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's pretty much all I sort of had. Um, yeah. I know, I know, Lugsy had a bit of a take. So again, full disclosure, I'm I'm not hearing what the boys are saying here, um, but I'm here for Coach Corner on is spin more important or flights and variation. Potentially, one of the boys has copped out and said, "You yeah, know, it's a bit of both." Well, I'm here <laughs> to say, let's pick one or the other. If it was just you can't spin it, or um, you can't have any flight or variation, what would you want as a spin bowler? I don't know what the boys are going to say, but I'm going to go potentially against the grain as a spin bowler, and I'm going to say flight and variation are more important. I think turn, very rarely does turn beat a batsman because you've got to turn it a fair way for that to be the case. Um, so, of course, if you're a leg spinner, I think turn is the most important thing, Rupping a big one. But how often have you ever seen an off spinner really bamboozle a guy? It's not very often. What they do is they use drift, they use bounce, they use all their variations to slowly work a guy out, and that's when you when you get a, a top-of-the-line batsman. I mean, I do hear in my head the argument against because if you're not turning it, are you even a spin bowler or are you just a medium pacer with variations? Um, so I'm sort of arguing my, with myself in the moment here about what I think is more important <laughs> um, or what classifies you as a spin bowler, I guess. But personally, yeah, I think the variations are more important. I think, as I say, my, my big argument here is that an off spinner very, very rarely turns it, turns it sideways anyway. So I think bounce, variation, drift, speed, all that is your most important thing. Um, and I'll go back on my first 10 seconds and I'll jump on the fence again and I'll say, just have both though. <laughs> have both. So that's how you get absolutely nowhere in two minutes, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. For the li- sorry to the listeners. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. So, Corbin, you both have some really good points. And I'll touch on the spin aspect first. And this is comes for like a swing bowling aspect as well. So I'll try to get some seam in here as well. But the biggest thing for me is like the gap between the middle of someone's bat and them missing the ball isn't huge mm. in terms of everyday playing cricket. Obviously, like if you want to play test cricket, you're going to have to rip the ball and also control everything else because you've got to be like the best of the best. But if we're talking everyday down playing club cricket and doing cricket with your mates, if you're swinging the ball or if you're trying to bowl spin, the getting a batter to hit it in the middle versus missing is probably four inches max. Depends how big your stick is, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not a big distance. So turning it huge or swinging it miles can sometimes be counterproductive. Um, and I think for spinners, so much can come into spinning the ball, especially finger spinners um, in the surface, what time of the game you're bowling, all of that. So I think... The other tools to be successful 
um, like going to put you in a better stead to be successful more often, if that makes sense. Mm. So flighting, change of pace, having variate, like having a ball that goes the other way, having an arm ball, all of that is actually going to be more beneficial to you as a player than just trying to fucking turn it huge because all you've got to do as a spinner is turn one and it's in the batter's head for the rest of the time they face you. So that might be off a crack. That might be just the odd one that really burns. Um, but I don't think to be successful through the scope of levels of cricket, spinning it big isn't as important as having a variation, having an arm ball, controlling your flight and controlling your pace. I would say a cha- changes of speed and flight is like a, a floor raiser. 100%. But the ability to spin the ball is like a, a ceiling raiser. The like just ceiling, yep. Like it might get you, it might get you that that last sort of two percent. It's going to get those uh, really good batsmen that are, that are set. But I would say nine times out of ten, you're probably going to use the uh, speed and flight. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, look at Vittori. He didn't really turn it, and his, I suppose, floor was a like three format black cap who kept in his country. You got Shane Warne's ball of the century which is one of the greatest balls ever spun a mile. Mm-hmm. And you've got probably about 80% of my wickets as a really average off spinner <laughs> caught on the fence. Each and every one of those wickets is the exact same value as Shane Wan's ball of the century. Like the wicket can play into how much a ball's going to spin. And if you're only, if your threat is spinning the ball and it's a slightly wet day or the pitch is just flat and not turning a, like not turning anywhere. Like what are you like how are you gonna be successful in that game? Because it's actually mm. the day like it's situations that don't benefit your core skill. If you can be successful in those situations, that's gonna make you a better player than just going, Oh fuck, I'm a gun spinner when it turns and like, yeah, that's all good, but it only might only turn four days a summer, so you've got another twenty to fill in, sort of thing. So yeah, I think Spinning's important because that's obviously that's in the job title. But yeah, you've got to you've got to have the other tools, I think. And if you focus on the other tools, and you get your release right and your technique's good, the ball's naturally going to spin anyway. Um, and if the surface is conducive to it, it's really going to turn. So I like that. I think that's probably about it. I don't know. We 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 went in a lot of different directions. I'm sure there's an answer in there somewhere for you. But we'll uh, we'll move on. So thanks again to Jacko. And Lugsy, who um, hopefully will be with us in a full capacity once he sort of sorts out his emails and that sort of carry on. But if you do want to reach out and get on Coach Corner or, or even out or not out or, or even a snack corner, whatever, we want uh, we want the pod to be uh, to evolve as many listeners as possible. Um, you know, email address maximumcricket21 at gmail.com, DMs. Uh, and on Insta are always open, and and yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. So if you enjoyed the if you enjoyed the podcast, send us a wee rate and review. Um, add a question if you like, and if you really really enjoyed us and you want to support the cause, you can join patreoncom cricket uh, where you will get early releases. Um, basically, the second that I finish editing, it goes up on Patreon. Whereas everywhere else, you sort of have to wait wait another 12 hours or so so yeah other than that um have yourselves a good week and uh jacko we'll catch you next week sounds good